Welcome to another episode. I am B, and this is the Sussex Set. Welcome back. We are back to business. Harry and Megan are back to business. Everything seems to just be rolling right along, especially post funeral grieving mourning madness. Like sometimes I just sit and think about that. Like, wasn't that insane? I'm not really going to go into it, but like, when I have a quiet moment, just sometimes, like if I'm, if I'm looking at something Harry and Megan related, I'll say, I can't believe that they put her through that much hell and use the queen's funeral as an opportunity to, I, I like, I probably will never get over that, but I, I'm really glad that they're back to business. It's Monday as I record this podcast. So that means tomorrow, a brand new episode of Archetypes. And you know what, wouldn't it be something if at some point in one of the episodes remaining for the podcast, Megan actually takes a moment and not necessarily talks about what happened with her, but how many archetypes did people just levy on her head in that two weeks that she didn't plan to be in England, but she was basically held there because she couldn't leave right because she had to support her husband after the queen died but how many how many like negative stereotypes and archetypes that people like throw at her just because they could and what if she just takes a week to talk about that do you know what I mean like what a moment that would be I don't believe she will as I said most of those and you can tell a lot of the episodes are pre-recorded because when you look at some of the images that come out of um you know the show where she's talking to Lisa Ling and her daughter or Minnie Kaling, she's wearing the same shirt. So I got the feeling that she recorded a lot of them on the same day. And then there's one where she's wearing, I think like black leather pants or something. And that was a different day, but I had the fit. I have the feeling that she recorded a lot of them just in batches, you know, but all you gotta do is just record one. Like I'm recording this one today. <laughs> I don't think she will. And I don't really think that she has to. You know, she really has nothing to say. Her life speaks for her. Her actions speak for her. But wouldn't that just be something? Because it's right in line with what what the podcast is already about. But, you know, that's just a side note. The next guest on the Archetypes podcast was not announced like it normally is at the end of the previous episode. And frankly, by the time you hear this episode, you will will have already listened to Megan's episode because your girl is slow. You know, editing takes a little bit. But anyway, we know some of the guests that will appear on the show already that we haven't heard are Issa Rae, uh, Z-Way, and I think it's a couple other people. Oh, um, Robin, Robin Thede, maybe? I'm probably getting that one wrong, but we know she's going to have a few more people on there and she's already run through the list of archetypes that, that she plans to talk about. Um, so we don't know. It might be one of those and it might be a, a brand new episode. <laughs> we just don't know. But speaking of archetypes, we just got some news about a collaboration that archetypes has with Project Healthy Minds. 
And can I say, I'm just so glad that they're back to doing these. Archwell is, um, be it Archwell Audio or just the podcast or, you know, Archwell as an organization, just doing these collaborations that mean something, especially to young people, uh, because I think this is something that they're really, really good at. And I felt like they used to do this a lot more in the beginning of the website launch. Uh, but it's good to see that they're back to doing that. So Archwell has partnered with Project Healthy Minds. And on their website, well, actually, when you click the link on archwell.com, and this might be something that's just for World Mental Health Day, which happens to be today. But once you click it, it takes you to Project Healthy Minds website and specifically their resource page. So once you get there, it says, if an archetypes episode brought up a feeling that you're processing, now is a great time to ask for help. Archwell has partnered with Project Healthy Minds, so it is Archwell, uh, on a mental health resource guide that is an excellent place to start. And once you get there, uh, basically you can see where you can browse by either what you're feeling if that's really the go-to thing for you is just to say, well, what am I actually experiencing right now? Or one could browse by resource type based on the type of help they're interested in. So I love that they are doing these collaborations. Another one that we heard about was uh, Archwell partnering with Ving. So NBC revealed that exclusively, by the way, that Archwell is working with Ving to help teens tap into their philanthropic side, which I absolutely adore, you know, because so often we hear about philanthropy as being this thing for, for me, frankly, in my mind, um, really, probably up until probably like the last five or 10 years or so, philanthropy to me was always something I thought that only rich white people did. I mean, frankly, that's how they portray it in films um, or really in reality, too. But truly, anybody can do it. <laughs> Anyone can give. That's really what it is. It's 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 giving. Right. Um, and what this partnership does is it emphasizes just how important it is to start that habit young. You can give at any age, you know, especially if it's money. You know, you're giving money to someone for whatever reason. There's a million reasons uh, to give money in philanthropy. But as a young person, to be comfortable with that. You know, so often we feed young people the idea that, you know, all through life, your job is to get money, to find a way to make money. You know, even if it means ultimately you you want to give money to your family member or you know pay off your mom's house or what whatever you know everybody wants to grow up to pay their parents back um but often we don't necessarily show kids that it's okay to give money as well and so it's really awesome that an organization like ving exists uh for that purpose and not just for the purpose of, let's say, helping someone in your own life, but helping someone in your community. Um, so the gist of it is Harry and Megan's Archwell is partnering with Ving to give away $1 million uh, in $1,000 grants. And so teens will sign up to be one of these givers. And if they are selected, they will give a thousand dollar grant to someone that has been an inspirational figure in their lives, which is so wonderful. 
that's a great way to strengthen communities and it sets the habit of lending a helping hand early. And we know that that's important to Harry and Meghan because that's kind of how they raise their kids. And we saw a great example of that in the cut interview that Meghan did just a couple of days or weeks before the Queen died. Um, and if you haven't read it, they were picking Archie up from school and they just had some ready-made backpacks. Uh, and they passed an unhoused man and they gave him a backpack. And I think she said it has like crackers and um, water and things like that in there, just some sort of basic necessities in there. And she mentioned that she wants her children to know that there are so many different types of situations in the world and to always have empathy for folks, no matter what type of situation you come from. You may live in one type of house, Others may live in a different type of house and some people don't have houses. So good for them. Good for Archwell and Megan and Ving, of course, uh, for empowering young people to embrace, quote, embrace the gift of giving at an early age. And I am looking forward to some of the stories that come from that. So good for both of those organizations. And it also brings eyes to Ving as an organization if you want more information about either of these new collaborations, I will put the links in the description and you can find out more about one or either. We still don't know, switching gears here, we still don't know whether Megan is actually going to go on the Jimmy Fallon show or not. Uh, it was only during the morning period that we learned that the cancellation took place as opposed to the appearance, apparently they were going to go after they left England uh, because they were um, going to be in New York for the UN General Assembly. Coincidentally, uh, the other two were also planning to be in New York at that time as well. But again, the Queen died. And so nobody, nobody went to New York. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be rescheduled. We don't have any information about that. I don't imagine we would get any information about it until maybe like right before it happened, if it happened. Um, but my guess is that it probably won't, or maybe it will, maybe it will at some point. I don't know. Um, I just say it probably won't because they were going to be in New York for something else. And Jimmy Fallon is also just right in New York, but either way, I'm just glad that they're back to their life. You know, I really appreciated the statement that, um, I guess it really wasn't a statement, but it was sort of like a, a word from Megan's team in the Variety exclusive last week when everybody was wondering, when is a podcast coming back? <laughs> I was one of those people, but um, I, I definitely appreciate the fact that she's like, look, I just need some more time. I just need another week with my kids. I was away from my kids for about two, three weeks and I didn't plan on it. So girl, let me get, let me get my, let me get my bearings, please. And, uh, and then the next episode came out, uh, but they let us know when it was going to come back. And that was last week's episode. So Harry and Megan were spotted at a concert at the, uh, I think it's the Santa Barbara bowl. Was that what they call it? Uh, Jack Johnson concert. And I believe it was Jack Johnson. God, I did not fact check any, really any of this stuff. So, uh, but it was nice to see them <laughs> at the concert and seeing pe people with their pictures of Harry and Meghan. That's one thing I love about them is um, they're okay with people posting pictures of them just like meeting up backstage, you know, 
chilling out. As long as their kids are not involved, I don't mind sharing those pictures or when people share those pictures. Uh, But yeah, it's just so good to see them out living their lives, enjoying the music, the sights and the sounds of where they live. And if you notice, the rest of the island is back to speculating. They're back in speculation mode because they don't know anything about anything happening in California or really the United States of America. They say they do. They say they have the sources and whatnot or all of that. Girl, we don't fucking believe you. Um, but it's really good <laughs> to see Harry and Meghan back to doing their program, their thing. And if you notice, the press in England, they went right back to that narrative of, well, maybe Harry can come back. Maybe that half in, half out thing can actually work. And if you notice, that's what they were saying before Harry and Meghan went back to Europe for the One Young World Summit, the Invictus Games Dusseldorf, and the Well Child Awards. Which, by the way, another little bit of good news, Harry met with the recipients. He couldn't meet with them because the Queen died on the day of the Well Child Awards. Um, so it was even canceled. But he met with them via Zoom, and that was that was really great. I didn't watch the Zoom, but I'm glad that they shared it and that he got to meet up with them because I know how much he values that organization and his relationship with that organization and the work that is done in that organization so and the organization of Wellchild has actually also been supportive of him throughout the last couple of years as he's made his transition from England to the United States so um I was really I was just really glad to see that But yeah, the papers are going back to their sort of old narratives. You know, I just see them pop up on my newsfeed every once in a while. That's how I know. But they have bigger problems, it seems, especially the Daily Mail, because they're getting sued again. Again, you might recall that Megan, at least as far as the Sussexes go, uh, sued them and won. And I believe Harry had an ongoing thing with them. But now they're being sued by a, I mean, pretty sizable group of uh, pretty influential people, uh, folks with money. (laughs) Uh, And because that's how newspapers actually win, especially a a crap newspaper like the Daily Mail, is just that they kind of don't run out of money. And if you're an individual suing an entity like the Associated Newspapers, you can run out of money suing them and so it would be wise in a lot of ways to just give up the fight a lot of people will probably advise um but some people won't even go after them in an open and shut case like Megan's for example and even hers was drawn out uh but it was very clear that they couldn't win and the girl knew what she was doing you feel me uh that's why I think her case is sort of really important leading up to this case but Harry, or at least the suit, but uh, the group includes Prince Harry, but also Liz Hurley, Sadie Frost, Baroness Doreen Lawrence, Elton John. Elton John is known for not getting involved unless he has enough that, that he can actually win with. But this high profile group is suing the Associated Newspapers. Uh, They claimed that they were the victims of gross breaches of privacy. Uh, So they're suing the Associated Papers, which is the publisher of the Daily Mail, the paper, the Daily, uh, the 
Mail Online, and the Mail on Sunday. It's a pretty big deal. <laughs> it's a pretty big deal to go after really any tabloid, but especially the Daily Mail, because apparently it's the biggest tabloid in England. And again, it says a lot about Megan. Maybe she had an advantage as an American uh, to not be intimidated. Maybe if she were English, she, she wouldn't have even thought about suing because by this point, she might have thought it's just no point of even trying. But the girls got some cojones. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I know she's not the first person to ever sue a tabloid. Uh, others have sued and won, actually. But, you know, I think because that was so publicized and it was such a clear victory, I think it, it gives other people who have a case confidence to actually go forward with it. And, you know, as far as Megan goes, Megan and Harry, really, but when I think about the Daily Mail, because I've never, I mean, I, I to be honest, I can't even tell you if I knew what the Daily Mail was before Harry and Megan. And I, I promise you, I am not lying. Just because I'm not English, like we don't, we don't, I know they have like a U.S. page and all of that, but like, girl, those are not our go-to sources. Like, you know, they, they do a lot of search engine optimization to try to get themselves at the top of like, you know, every news story to where you see one of their links, but girl, okay. But now I know what they are. But when I think about the Daily Mail, when it comes to Harry and, Harry and Meghan in particular, or whether they were in England or now, it is truly just a bullying pulpit. Think about, you know, Piers Morgan and how emboldened he was to every other day drop a column. He also had a show at the time where he could promote some of those same fucking ideas against Megan and calling her all kinds of names. You know, a lot of that stuff that we're seeing now, uh, which is it's very in which I would really recommend just tuning it out. But that started with like Piers Morgan and the Daily Mail. A lot of other tabloids, they just kind of fell right in line. And, you know, Piers moved on from the Daily Mail. So who is it now? Dan motherfucking Wood. He works for the Daily Mail. But so many others, so many others will write their editorials or their little uh, opinion pieces about Megan, primarily about Megan just to bully her, just to bully her. And then again, when the queen died, they pick right up where they left off. Just because they could. Nonetheless, in this lawsuit, there are some incredible allegations. Ones we've heard before, but it's still just kind of stunning to hear them. Uh, but including and not limited to hiring PIs, private investigators, to secretly bug cars and homes, uh, tapping phones, paying police for inside information, impersonations in order to get medical information. Like how low down do you have to be? Truly. Even accessing bank accounts. You know, can I give you an image? It's, it's a macabre one, okay? I'm just going to be straight up with you. Can I give you an image though? One of my favorite movies is Road to Perdition. It stars Tom Hanks and Paul Newman, two very fine American actors. Well, R.I.P. Paul Newman. But Jude Law is also in that movie. If you haven't uh, seen that movie, I, I mean, it's a great watch. 
it's one of my all-time favorite films. It's just well done. The music, everything, it's just, it's great. Jude Law's character, though, he plays a reporter. Mm-hmm. Now, Jude is British. He's a great actor, too. But the reporter, you know, it's set in the 1920s, and it's like a mob, mobster type of movie. Well, Jude is a reporter for a paper. He's a photographer, I should say. And he goes to some very gruesome scenes in order to get images of the dead. Back then, they used to post all that type of shit in the papers, which blows my mind. But um, I guess it shouldn't, <laughs> but they did. And by the way, spoiler alert, this movie is damn near 20 years old. If you haven't seen it, maybe fast forward. But Jude's character is an assassin named Harlan McGuire, who also works as a photographer for the press. About halfway through the film, it dawns on you that some of the subjects in the crime scene photos that end up in the paper are not dead in the actual photo. But McGuire, as he enjoys the gruesomeness of the crime scene, just snaps away and snaps away until he's done. And then before he leaves, he kills the subject because that's what the story is going to be about anyway, a dead body. Well, Tom Hanks and his son are on the run in the movie. That's pretty much what the movie is about. And Harlan McGuire is hired to locate and kill the both of them. And at the end, again, spoiler alert, (laughs) this movie is literally 20 years old. I just Googled it. It came out in 2002. He kills Tom Hanks' character. And he pulls out his camera. As a matter of fact, he has the camera already set up when Mike Sullivan walks into the house. And he shoots the guy. And before he is dead, he starts taking pictures. And those are the ones that are going to show up in the paper when it is reported that Mike Sullivan, Tom Hanks' character, is dead. Jude Law's character, in my view, is a Daily Mail. Tabloid culture in general. Tabloids like the Daily Mail, but especially the Daily Mail. Who comes to mind? Caroline Fleck. You could also say Princess Diana. Because they do all of this dirt leading up to this moment, right? Where they played a part in ending a life and then at the end they get away. Now Harlan McGuire did not get away. He was killed by the little boy. However, and unfortunately, in the case of a tabloid, there's always a next body to be reported on. And... What's so sinister is that it's a bonus if you can make profit along the way until the body is produced. You know, and lawsuits like this hopefully will prevent any of that type of hunting. But they're like they're always going to be characterized by that. And they I feel like the people who work for some of these uh, tabloids, there's a sick pride that they have to that. Uh, or have with that. And that's really the thing that's so unnerving. But when you look at Caroline Flack, which was really so recent, this was in the midst of everything Harry and Meghan were actually going through, um, something that could have been so easily prevented. 
But they didn't do anything to prevent it. They acted on. Oh, and then when she died, oh, well, she was such a saint. Same for same for Diana. All of the front pages. If you look at the documentary, The Princess on HBO, they give you a glimpse of those papers that were out the day after she died. Or really, really technically the day she died. And um, it's absolutely astonishing that they know they can do this with exemption from any type of punishment over and over again. And when you look at their methods of getting a story, tapping people's phones, you know, they had Megan's social security number. This was when she was still in the dating phase. They had private investigators to get her social security number, her cell phone number. They went and talked to people that work with her, her neighbors. But I, I don't really know how far back the allegations in this particular lawsuit go back. I'm sure probably even decades. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but all for a freaking news story? The links they go to to get information on some of their main news subjects. And I can only imagine the, the type of blackmail that goes on behind the scenes as well. But hopefully with this lawsuit, it gives the Associated Papers a much needed punch in the gut. And it shows other tabloids that they need to pay attention because they could be next. This lawsuit, people are saying it's similar to the News of the World lawsuit where millions and millions were paid out um, due to the phone hacking scandal. That was Murdoch's company, though. This is something this is a different or their their rival, really. Um, We'll see what happens. I hope a lot is uncovered because God knows they sell absolute trash every single day. And I hope they're forced to pay out millions upon millions upon millions when it's all said and done. It's almost like that doesn't even matter because they're still going to have money. They're still going to have readership. But I'm glad that this will be a highly publicized legal battle for them because it can't be fun, especially when you most recently lost your other highly publicized legal battle, that one being against Megan. And so as these things go, I'm pretty sure it'll be some kind of a long, drawn-out situation. Uh, But definitely keep your eyes on that situation. I'm sure we're going to get updates as they go. And I'll be sure to post them here, of course. And another reminder, and I'll keep saying it until it's back, The Crown is coming back in a month's time. Actually, less than a month. So November 7th, man, when I tell you, I am so excited. I just love the show. I just think it's really well done. Outside of, you know, it basically making the royal family pissed. Because it didn't always make the family pissed. It only made them mad whenever the actual depictions of actual events started to make them look bad. But, um... I love the show. I think it's well done. I thought Olivia Coleman was just top, like magnifique. Like I watched season three and four just for her. <laughs> I love that lady. She's one of my bitches. You know what I mean? Uh, she's one of my favorites. Um, Kate Winslet is another of my favorite actresses, um, at least out of England. And yeah, I just, I just love them. So 
I don't believe I've talked about it in much detail, but season five will be back November 7th and it will focus on the 90s era. And I I believe that's also the season where um, Diana's character, well, it's not even a character. She's not a character, but in the show, she's a character, sure. Um, We'll see that, you know, the lead up to that tragic into her life. And um, I'm really curious about how they're going to portray the tabloids. Speaking of the tabloids, um, because they definitely played a part in the lead up to all of that. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But I think it's going to start at 1991 or 1992. And that was around the time that the queen talked about her and, and Annas Horribilis, where um, three out of four of her kids separated from their spouses or got a divorce. And Windsor Castle also caught on fire and um, probably the most tumultuous years of Charles's and Diana's marriage. We will also see a side piece. You feel me? Um, <laughs> sorry. I, I mean, I say it because, listen, these people are not any less ghetto than the rest of us. I'm for real. I said it on episode one of this podcast, the motherfuckers are ghetto. That is the ghetto. Uh, not to say that, you know, cheating on your spouse is ghetto, but goddamn it, it is kind of ghetto behavior. Um, particularly acting as if you're better than everybody else while being just like everybody else. But we are going to see Penny Natch Bull, who is said to have been the side piece of Philip. We know the current queen is already the queen side piece, Queen Camilla, consort. Um, somebody said, somebody said they should call her queen cohort. <laughs> I saw that on Twitter and I could not forget it. Um, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So side pieces seem to be the way, you know, in season four, Camilla's character said, well, and this is actually also true. So I don't know what the fuck Charles be talking about. You know, we need to tell people that this is fiction. In season four, Camilla's character said, well, my grandmother was the mistress to your grandfather or great, great grandfather or somebody. And Charles says, and he loved her to the end. Well, Charles loved Camilla to the end because that bitch is y'all's queen, honey. He said, don't even call her queen consort. She's queen Camilla. So, girl, whatever. In this season, season five, we're going to see Penny Natchbull, who was the side piece of Prince Philip. Who, if you do not remember, (laughs) is uh, or was or is, I don't know, the queen's husband. And, um, you know, his will is locked up for, I I think they said, like 100 years after he died. So the public can't know. So you and I will both be dead when that is made public. Uh, But I got a feeling that Penny got some things and maybe there's some, maybe there were some outside children. We don't know. Um, But she's in there and supposedly there's going to be some intimate scenes. And, of course, the firm is saying, or the firm's mouthpieces are saying, well, that is so insensitive. The queen just died. Philip and Elizabeth do not know the difference. Trust. 
Okay, if they do, then you got bigger problems. <laughs> but um, listen, girl, it was an open secret. She went to his funeral and she was also invited to the queen's funeral. She went to both. Uh, she sat next to the queen uh, numerous occasions and um, or at least on one occasion where there was like a horse race or something like that. Listen, the facts are the facts and the crown is just bringing the facts to us in a television show. So protest as you might. We still going to be watching and... Um, I'm personally going to be enjoying the fits that Charles is having because you know it's coming. And um, yeah, Diana High for life. And of course, I did want to say before I got out of here, y'all had a lot to say about, um, which I knew would happen, uh, but the previous voice recording where Ladarius spoke about reconciliation and what that would look like. Or is it possible for my part, just, I mean, even when I heard that, I was already thinking, nah, probably not. But for me, I saw saw a lot of people echoing what I was uh, feeling as well, which is that because the disrespect was so public, and this is what I hate about the royal family, especially Will, this is why I don't respect him, especially Kate, this is why I don't respect her, Charles or Camilla, uh, but especially Will and Kate. Because they were the ones who were most intensely jealous of Meghan, I believe. But Meghan and Harry and their partnership and their popularity and the way that, you know, they just go out and do things and get shit done and everybody loves it. Um, They threw rocks at them and they hide their hand. They throw rocks and they hide their hand and they pretend that it's all Harry and Meghan. That's highly disrespectful, especially when we're talking about a tabloid culture, as I just spoke about, that will hunt someone until they're dead, and especially a woman, and especially a woman of color. Because if they hunted Princess Diana that way, do you do you think that they won't hunt a black woman that way? They will enjoy it more when they're hunting her. Uh, Valentine Lowe, he's another motherfucker who just got done promoting a flop book along with Katie Nichol and her flop ass book, as well as Tina Brown and her flop ass book, as well as all of the motherfuckers and they flop motherfucking books. All they do. And, and, and you notice how they always talk about Megan in the promotion of those motherfucking books, but yet they say Harry and Megan are irrelevant, but especially Megan, the deedless actress. Well, let me tell you something. The way they all collaborated with the royal family, uh, the royal family collaborating with these uh, types of biographers, I mean, all the way back to Robert Lacey, uh, and calling her all types of names. Now, we don't know who said what because they all, again, they throw rocks and they hide their hands and they hide behind these anonymous sources. However, it could get no more disrespectful to me than when Will and Kate sent their flop ass right hand man into an actual courtroom, at least um, virtually, as he provided evidence in the case again that Megan won. She had a right to privacy uh, where the, her letter was leaked in the mail on Sunday. She won, but they provided evidence. Evidence. Uh, I say they because it was their person, but. He's, he works for them right now today for Earthshot Prize. So I I really don't know how you reconcile that. When Megan talks to Oprah and she says that she's, um, how you reconcile from that. But when Megan talks to Oprah and she says, I was suicidal, I went to them. They knew 
I went to the HR of the firm. They knew that I was suicidal and did nothing. And Valentine Lowe or Valentine Lowe right after that in a podcast, he says, oh, yeah, we well, I knew I knew they didn't write about it. If it was Kate, they would have wrote about it. But they didn't write about it for Megan because they didn't give a fuck. They didn't care whether she lived or fucking died. So I don't know how they reconcile unless they admit to all of that shit and they publicly apologize to them folks. I I just don't see how you reconcile that. Charles played a part. He also uh, took away their security when they were most vulnerable. You know, they had a baby. I got the feeling when I knew that Harry and Meghan weren't coming back and they said they made that announcement, I had the feeling that they were running for their fucking lives. And they were. And Charles cut their security at that moment. And then all the way up until the most recent where they they were basically the target of character assassinations. Yet again, again, using the queen's death as the opportunity, the prime opportunity to hopefully finally destroy them, but especially her. Where, how do you reconcile that? Now Charles is playing games with the titles. We know Harry and Meghan's children are by default, their royal highnesses, Prince and Princess, Archie and Lilibet. But you change Will and Kate's titles to Prince of Wales, which they got supposedly automatically on the Queen's death. But on that same list, on that same page, you didn't change Archie's and Lily's. Too much gameplay. How do you reconcile? How do you reconcile with a pack of fucking dogs who don't care whether your wife or your child or your children are in a safe environment or not? When y'all find answers to that, y'all tell me. Because right now, girl, I don't know. I just don't see it. Because I believe the apology and the effort made on the side of the royal family, it would have to be public. It must be public. Again, just as public as a disrespect. But see, that's not in their character makeup. Because what that would be admitting is everything that Harry and Meghan said in the Oprah interview. And since in various other interviews and podcasts was true. They would be admitting that. And they're not going to do that. Not for the spare and his black American wife, girl. No, no, no. They're not going to do that. This is why they are so afraid of Harry's memoir. Harry's the only one who can truly burn them down. Now, I don't think that, again, I don't think that his memoir would be published with that purpose. But certainly he would have some things that he wants to talk about. And so you have the likes of Lowdown, Tina Brown, and and the others talking about, oh, Harry, you cannot publish this book. Or trying to make up a narrative of him being so conflicted and he knows it's gone too far now that the queen has died and the book is probably never going to see the light of day. Girl, how do you know? How do you know? Who made you telephone, telegraph, tell it to Tina? And between the crown and this memoir, the monarchy and monarchists are just hoping that the monarchy survives or that these two things don't provide a fatal blow because they will be pretty close to one another. And if they were so worried about reconciling, even if it was just for their own benefit, they would have done it by now. They would have done it by now. So as far as the fans 
I think Harry and Meghan's fans are always going to support and promote what they do. That is the key difference between Harry and Meghan's fans and royalists, specifically Will and Kate fans. Will and Kate fans exist to tear Harry and Meghan down. That is the only thing they do. If you go to big accounts that supposedly support uh, Will and Kate, most of the posts are about Harry and Meghan and what Harry and Meghan are doing. You have a brand new prince and princess of Wales, but yet you're talking about Archetypes Episode 4 with Lisa Ling and Margaret Cho. Why? You know, so I understand the hope that the family, all of the family together will somehow achieve harmony, the harmony that was envisioned when Megan joined the family. Uh, but that harmony was never there to begin with. That's what I think people who really want this reconciliation don't think enough about. And if you're a royalist, then in a sense, it's already fantasy. It's not real. You know, we love the idea of a happy family just in general. But the royal family has never been that. They have never been that, but they made it clear to Megan that they were never going to be that, especially not for her. So in other words, she had better get used to being mistreated. And, you know, people love to say that, you know, Megan knew what she was getting into and, you know, she should have just fell in line. I'm of the belief that those folks were going to mistreat her whether she fell in line or whether she didn't. She tried to do the job and they still assassinated her character making her out to be the angry black woman. Y'all remember that? She supposedly made Kate cry. Turns out it was the opposite. All the royal family could say in response to that was recollections may vary. Recollections may vary. But Megan has the letter. And like she said in that cut piece, I didn't sign anything that said I couldn't speak. I may talk, I may not. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how I feel. The royal family never intended to welcome her into the fold. But it was worse than that because they basically trashed her until she got out. So look, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I don't see how any reconciliation can come after that. Because if that was my family... Those motherfuckers would be dead to me. They'd be dead to me. And so with that, that is about all I have for today. Yeah, this is a pretty short one, y'all. Uh, but definitely make sure you find me on all of the places. I'll just leave the links in the bio. I really don't feel like running down the list. So keep shining your light, whatever that means for you on any given day. And... Take care of yourselves, but let's take care of each other too. And so until next time, peace. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Kill me. Will you remember me in a day? Yes. Or remember me in a month? Yes. Will you remember me in a year? Yes. Knock, knock. Who's there? You already forgot me. <laughs> <laughs> I walked straight into that, didn't I?